Hello and welcome to Viking Fuel, your source of information about modern mead-making techniques, mysteries, and brewing your own nectar of the gods. My name is Anthony, and I'm broadcasting here in sunny San Diego. Before I get started on this week's episode, I just have to say, San Diego is a great place for craft brewery. You have Belgian Beaver, which has one of my favorite beers, the peanut butter stout. You have Stone, uh, Ballast Point, um, that call San Diego home. You have Pizza Port, Modern Times, which has a great coffee stout. Honestly, there's too many in the name. But what you may not have known is that there's a good number of meaderies here in San Diego as well. Out in Oceanside, you have Golden Coast Mead. I had the pleasure of meeting Chris there, and he was incredibly helpful in my journey with uh, becoming a home brewing. A bit closer to uh, Miramar Air Station, which I know my fellow veteran brothers and sisters will love, is Lost Cost Meadery. I really love the coffee mead that these guys have and suggest trying it if you're ever in the area. Obviously, I really do like my coffee. Um, Billy is also a really solid dude and can give quite a few tips on how to make your mead better. Now, there's a few meaderies even I still haven't been to yet in the area. You have Bronto Mead, Twisted Horn out in Vista, Mediocrity uh, out in Escondido, Raging Cider out in San Marcos. Seriously, there's more than I can name, and I do want to take the chance to try to see all of them. So, uh, if I miss you this time, I'm sorry. Please feel free to reach out, and uh, I'll try to visit your meadery at some point. Now let's get to the focus uh, of what today's episode is really going to be about. Fill it with our opening podcast. It would be great to talk about how to make a traditional mead so that all you listeners at home can start making your own Viking fuel yourselves. I've got a wildflower traditional brewing right now, and I'll talk a bit about my process with that further in the episode. Now, with me, there's two schools of thought on how to make it. There's a true old school way where you don't use yeast nu- or uh, you don't use yeast nutrients or starters. Um, a lot of people will use raisins and say that that's their yeast nutrients. Honestly, I'm not very experienced in this tactic of making mead. Um, if there is somebody out there that is more experienced in this process, I'd love to have you on the show and uh, talk a little bit more about that process. Um, today, I'm going to focus more on um, the other school of thought, though, which is uh, staggering y- nutrients, using a yeast starter, um, basically using the modern science that has been provided to us to uh, make a mead that's faster. And um, in my opinion, it is a, a cleaner, healthier way of making mead. However, there are arguments for and against that. Um, so, uh, the first thing you're going to need to do is get some equipment. Um, you'll need a container to ferment your meat in. Now, first of all, you want to make sure that the container you're using has a airlock and, um, that you're not going to be keeping it in a closed container. If you keep it in a closed container, the gases that release from fermentation could cause it to explode. So it is very important to make sure you do use the container with an airlock. Um, I recently just got myself a Brew Demon. Uh, You can get them on Amazon. I think they're like 50 bucks. And I gotta say, I absolutely love it. You can do up to about three gallons in it and uh, it's a conical uh, brewer. So uh, your yeast hangs down at the very bottom and uh, it works great. Um, 
I've had no complaints for it so far, and it's actually what my white wildflower tradition was uh, brewing in right now. Um, now, you might want to also look at getting a hydrometer and uh, look at uh, doing gravity readings. I'm not going to touch too much on that today. Um, in this episode, it'll be something I'll touch on a little bit more in another episode. Um, but what I will touch on is you definitely want to make sure that you sanitize all of your equipment. Um, this is very important to make sure your yeast stay healthy and uh, to prevent cross-contamination or um, mutation in your yeast. Um, I recommend using Star Sand. You can get it and use a spray bottle to spray all of your equipment with. And uh, when I say all of your equipment, I mean every last thing that's going to touch your meat in any way. You're going to want to make sure it's sanitized. Um, once you've done your research and got the equipment you need, you'll need to get a, your ingredients. Now, for a traditional meat, this is pretty simple. You need yeast, water, honey, your yeast starter, and nutrients, at least with the traditional in the sense of how I make it. Um, but how do you pick which ones are the right ones to use? How much do you need? Um, how do you start the process? It, it's a lot that you need to take in. Um, for your honey, uh, I would honestly recommend using clover or wildflower. Uh, both work really well for a traditional. I wouldn't really shell out uh, big amounts of money on really expensive honey on your first few meads. So like, I wouldn't personally go out and uh, go with the orange blossom or something along those lines for your first one. Um, hone your craft a little bit before you start spending money on stuff like that. Um, however, a great place to look for quality um, honey would be your farmer's markets. Uh, also, I uh, would recommend Trader Joe's. Um, and if you're trying to save money, uh, definitely look at Kirkland or uh, your uh, Costco brand honey because they have huge containers. Um, now, for quantity, it kind of depends on how sweet you want the mead to be, but um, general rule of thumb is uh, about three pounds per gallon. Now, <clears throat> for your yeast, um, there's countless possibilities that you can choose from. Uh, 71B, which is really good for Melmels, uh, you have D47, um, and uh, K1. Or a lot of the go-to yeast that I like to use. Um, this really comes down to what you want out of your mead and what you're trying to make. Um, I'd say definitely look at the Scott Laboratories website and read up on what the yeast does and what kind of flavors it brings out. Um, I like to use K1 for most of the Beauchets I make, but I'm not going to get into Beauchets today. Uh, that's a little bit ahead of making a traditional so let's make sure we stick to the basics here uh, now for nutrients and starters um, people have a lot of different opinions on this uh, definitely do your research before you buy anything um, I personally like to use GoFirm for my starter and uh, I'll use Fermade K or Fermade O for my nutrients kind of depending on what I'm doing okay so you got your honey, you got your yeast, your starter, your nutrients, you got the water. Now what are you going to do? Sanitize your equipment. I cannot stress this enough. Uh, take some star sand, spray everything down, make sure that you have everything clean. Um, 
Once you've got everything sanitized, from there, take your honey, pour it into your fermentation container. Um, heat up some water. I would say not quite boiling, but you want to heat it up to a point where it'll help to dissolve the honey. And uh, you want to try to make sure you don't fill up your container to a point where it's reaching the absolute top. You want to leave what's called headroom. And the reason you want to do this is to allow the gases to have more room to escape during fermentation. Um, if you don't do this, you again run into an issue where your container may explode. Uh, so this is very important to stress the safety on making sure you leave some headroom. Um, once you've added your water, you've added the honey, uh, got that all mixed up and stirred where the honey's been very well dissolved. Um, you want to let that mixture cool down to room temperature. Um, I would not suggest starting to rehydrate your yeast until your, um, your must has cooled down because that can take up to a day to cool. So honestly, I would say after you've mixed your must, wait about a day before you decide to pitch your yeast. Uh, that's my personal opinion on it, just to give your must the right amount of time to cool down. Uh, but once it has cooled down, what you want to do is take your yeast um, and your yeast starter. Look at uh, the directions that are posted on there. For a lot of the yeast that I use, um, with it being dry yeast, it says to rehydrate it in water uh, somewhere around 104 degrees is normally around the range that it tells you to go with. And um, with that water, you'll want to add your uh, yeast starter, which I use GoFrom, and then let it sit for about 20 minutes. Um, a lot of times you'll start to see the yeast kind of forming these clouds inside of the liquid. Uh, that means that they are starting to rehydrate. That's a good sign that you're starting to see the bubbles kind of forming. Um, about 20 minutes after your yeast is rehydrated, you want to slowly introduce it into the must. Give it a light stir. And then um, make sure you seal your container. Your airlock has water in it. And uh, from there... Um, just kind of let it sit for about 24 hours. Um, about 24 hours after you've pitched your yeast, um, you'll want to add your first set of nutrients. So with your nutrients, you're going to do what's called staggering. Um, with GoFirm, or sorry, uh, with Firmid, uh, what you'll want to do is uh, on 24 hours, 48, and then 72 hours, you'll add the suggested amount depending on the amount of mead that you're making. So uh, once you've added that, uh, you'll also do it uh, one more time at the one-third sugar break uh, or about a week into fermentation. Now, it's very important that you degas before you add your nutrients, otherwise you run the risk of your mead foaming over very heavily and possibly spilling over, creating a huge mess. So um, what is degassing? That's a very good question. Um, degassing is basically uh, stirring the mead to allow the gas that forms from fermentation uh, to be released from the mead. And um, 
you want to do this about twice a day for the first three or four days of your mead, uh, starting in the brewing. Now, um, let's say that the first day or so you don't see any bubbles in your airlock. I would not worry, um, because you can still be getting fermentation. Um, I would continue to stagger your nutrients, keep sticking to the regiment, your protocol, after about four, maybe five days of not seeing any signs of fermentation, that's where I would start to worry. But if it's like two or three days, I would not worry too much. Now, you've got your mead brewing. We'll uh, talk a little bit more in the next episode about how you go from the brew uh, to stabilizing your mead, clearing your mead, filtering, and then from there, bottling and aging. So now that you've got your mead going, in the next episode, we will talk about all that information. Uh, Thank you for listening, and keep drinking that sweet golden nectar. This has been Viking Fuel. Skull.